In this episode, we discuss suicide. If this is something you're not comfortable with listening to, please go ahead and skip this episode and take care of one another. Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hi, Liz. Hi, Deb. It's been like two weeks since we've been together. It has. It's been two or even more. I think it's been two. Two. I think it's been two. Yeah. 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 And so. we, we actually didn't even know if we were going to meet today. Right. Because I don't have, I have on my calendar that we were going to meet on the 9th. Right. Right. So, so we're just this throwing a, this, this in. A They're, special day. That's right. We're just throwing this in. And, and I think for me, I needed, I needed to get together. I think I perhaps did too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so this so. is, this almost feels serendipitous, yes, you know, that maybe so. we kind of get together. Well, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that you and I, even though circumstantially um, our, things are different for us right. because we live different lives, we have different husbands, we have, you know, different yeah. situations, but you and I seem to be sort of a, in, in sort of a similar place. Yeah, for two women who are no longer having periods, yeah. we, we seem to be in sync. Yeah. <laughs> our cycles, our depression cycles have sync. They have. <laughs> was that TMI to our audience? No, I think it was great. <laughs> I listened to Leah Remini and her podcast a lot, and she's like, just so you know, PMS, ladies and gentlemen, PMS. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. She's younger than us. She, I don't she, think by much, but good for her. Because she still has PMS. <laughs> but good wow. for her that she's still in that <laughs> yeah. phase of life. Yeah, because, oh, uh, yeah. Um, <sighs> so, you know what? Hmm. I don't want this to be a down episode. I really want us to end it with reasons for hope. I would agree. Definitely. But to get to that point, mm-hmm. we need to kind of open up a little bit. And if any of you out there are on the same page as we are, we would love to hear from you. And we would also love to just encourage you. Mm-hmm. So this is episode number 44. Wow. 44. 44. That's right. I think this we've made more episodes than I've made loaves of sourdough bread. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is. So we have both kind of found ourselves in a state of sort of depression. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, there's, there's no... There's a, there's a thousand reasons as right. to why. Yeah. And yet there's no one reason why, right. you know? Right. Do you ever watch the television show A Million Little Things? I feel like I have watched that. <clears throat> Don't, because it'll just make you cry every week. <laughs> you know, I am in love with this show. I'm just absolutely in love with this show. And if any of you have seen it, it's it begins a couple of years ago. The very first season was... A, a best friend in their friends group mm-hmm. um, committed suicide. And so it's just kind of been the the this friend group okay. that is now dealing with the loss of the friend. Okay. Um there's couples, there's there's unmarried people. It's it's kind of a twenty twenty version of thirty something. Okay. You know, okay. back in the day there yeah. was thirty something. Yeah. It's a it's a more mature version of friends. Um and I find myself particularly jealous and envious of this friend group who has these people that they can absolutely count 100% mm-hmm. count on. Mm-hmm. But um, we just kind of caught up, you know, th- with the end of the season. And I just found myself in tears because there's just so many things about what kind of their fictional families are going mm-hmm. through that mm-hmm. I feel like we're going through. Um, so what, what about you? The last... 
<sighs> I mean, we, we talked about the death of your dog, which yeah. has so, kind of was a trigger to uh, yeah. uh, several it, other things sort of happening. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was so unexpected. And, and um, I've actually reached out to, to uh, a friend to try to maybe go seek some professional grief counseling because I'm, I'm really, really having a hard time processing my grief over my dog. And, you know, this morning I, I'm like... I, I feel like I'm having more grief over my dog than I have had over special people in my life who have passed. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel guilty because it's my dog. And, you know, right. and, and so I'm, I'm not exactly sure what's going on in me. You know, I mean, I've had very, very important people in my life pass away and I've been sad for months. But not to the point where I have these waves where then I'm just weeping. Mm-hmm. And I think because maybe I'm depressed already anyway, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's some of that going on. And I've been depressed in my life where I've been on antidepressants, and I think I've shared that on mm-hmm. here before. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been on any kind of medication for years and years, and, and I don't want to now. But I recognize the signals and the signs of feeling like you just... You just don't even really care. Like I'm not going to wear my seatbelt. Why do I even care? Kind of, kind of a right, thought. Right, you know. Right. I mean, just like, and that's that. Those are little red flags to me that you know there's something else deeper going on. Yeah. With me and and I, you know, the 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 pandemic being over. I mean, quote unquote, it's not. Right. And certainly in certain parts of the world, it is not over. Um, Even in certain parts of this country where they're, yeah, yeah, it's really struggling still. And so, you know, you said earlier, and I think I'll let you talk about this, but, but I think you're right in that there's been so much stress and now we're, everybody kind of, kind of collectively is sort of starting to let down mm-hmm. and you're trying to kind of feel your way back into what was normal before and I think there's just a lot of unresolved stuff there for lots of us you know that the, just the um, the not knowing if we're going to have a job and the not knowing I mean I watched the news this morning and they did a piece on you know people talking about not knowing if they were going to get evicted I mean it's one thing to not know if you're going to have a job it's another thing are they going to kick me out of my house tomorrow which ties into not having a job anymore, right. you know. But all of that, it's just, it's, it's a lot of stress. Um, but, you know, two months ago, I, I got a fracture in my ankle, which made it impossible for me to run, which has been my stress relief right. is going on my runs. And so I haven't been able to do, do that. Even though I've been able to go to yoga, I haven't been able to get out on and run. So there's been that. And then my dog, and it's just, yeah, my the, the grief of my dog, and I, it's just. And then this past week, you were out of town on a lovely little vacation, and this uh, last... spending time with family. Right. And you had to cut that short because you ended I... up with a back, what they think is a back spasm, yeah. and you were uh, it was unable de- I was, to walk. You I were... was debilitated, yeah. and I've never been in pain like that before. Right. Ever. I mean, maybe maybe having a baby. Right. You know, but that ended. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't last a week and a half. It doesn't. You know? No, it yeah. does not. So, yeah, we were going to go on a vacation, go see my husband's uh, family and grandkids, grandkids, and then yeah. drive up to Washington to see my friend Kelly, who was a guest Has on our podcast. Guest, yeah. And because I've never been to her home Aww. in in Anderson Island. Yeah. I've never been there. So we were going to drive there, but instead we rented the car and we drove home. For It took us 22 hours to get home. It was a long drive in the car, and I was in pain, the whole, pain. I was in pain the whole time, and it was miserable. And we got home, and um, I called the doctor, of course. I went to the doctor there, and the, that doctor really felt like I was having a back spasm, and, and maybe I was. Maybe that is... But there's something going on. I've got a pinched nerve or something because I've still got tingling. I'm not in nearly as much pain the last several days. So 
I'm here. <laughs> yeah, but when the fingertips are numb, you know that there's yeah, my, that there's a little fingers, bit of an issue. Yeah, they, they yeah. feel funny. Yeah, they're not quite numb. Yeah, and then like it, I feel like I don't have the strength in my left arm that I would normally have, and some stuff like that. That just right. and I can and it stems. I, I guess I mean I can't really pinpoint it, but in certain positions I get a like a hitch. <laughs> right. You right, know. Right. In the base of your neck, Somewhere. in between your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I have health anxiety that is ridiculous. And so I'm waiting upon all these test results. Seems like I should have known already. I don't know anything yet. And mm-hmm. so it gives, that gives me anxiety, which makes my heart pound, which makes my blood pressure go up, which makes me not be able to focus and think and do anything. So I'm just a wreck. Not knowing <laughs> is, isn't that, I mean, not knowing, boy, talk about, if somebody really wanted to just bring us to our knees, uh-huh. just stop giving us information. And yeah. then I, I can't understand, you know, I, I I can't understand how people in some countries where, where they are devoid of information, right. you know, there's governments that just completely keep information from their, from their people. And yeah. sometimes we feel that way in America, mm-hmm. but living day after day after day with the not knowing, I think that that would be a a kind of torture that I would really struggle with. And maybe there's that control freak kind of element. I think it is that control freak kind of element. Yeah. Well, I also know, so, you know, I understand about trauma, which is why I'm going to go seek some professional help about my dog because that it was, it was a trauma. It wasn't, It wasn't that my dog was ill and it was getting to the end of her life and I knew we were going to have to put her down. That's traumatic in itself, having yeah. to do that. But the way that it happened with Bella, it was very, very emotionally and physically traumatic. Right. So I understand trauma. I've been through lots of traumas. And I know that when I was nine months old, mm-hmm. so years ago I was in a, a therapy group mm-hmm. with with a bunch of different women, and um, we all had (laughs) (laughs) We all had issues. We all had issues. (laughs) But we all graduated. (laughs) So that's important to say, you know. We we were there, but we all moved, were able to move on, and our therapist was really good. Um, But in, in that environment, I was able to recognize and put together that when I was nine months old, so, when you're nine months old, you don't have any language yet. Right. You only really have, you know, sight and sound and your parents, you can see them, you, can, you know how they smell, you know how they sound, you know all that, but you don't have a lot of language. And um, in the 60s, when I was a baby, it wasn't like it is now. If you went into the hospital, the parents couldn't come in. Right. So the baby was isolated. Right. So I was in the hospital with bad dehydration um, for about five or six days. Wow, that's a long time. And I had no no parent. And my mom told me that she could only look through the window mm-hmm. of the thing and see me all hooked up to tubes and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I know just because of studying the brain and doing a lot of reading about trauma and blah, blah, that that incident was traumatic for me. Even though I don't have specific memory of it, somewhere in my body I do. Right. Because you're constantly recording. Your brain's constantly recording. So even though I didn't have language, Mm -hmm. it was constantly recording. So when I was in that group, I thought, huh, I wonder if Valley Children's Hospital would have record of that. And you know what? They did. They did. I was able to go to Valley Children's Hospital. I was able to Which look was just a little tiny building back then. It was just a like a little, almost yep. a strip mall kind of thing yep. was the hospital, whereas now it's a multi-billion yep. dollar, yep. you know, multi-story facility. Yep. Yeah. And I was able to find on the microfish. Wow. They, someone in there, I called. And I got a report that's that thick. Wow. And as I'm looking through it, Liz, mm-hmm. I'm looking through it, and repeatedly it says, baby is crying. 
Baby is crying. Oh. Baby is crying. Oh. Baby is crying. No. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So I was scared. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. And I. Well, at nine months, you've already established kind of a little routine yep. and comfort yep. and, like you said, smells and. Right. Yeah. And so I know that somehow the fear that I feel when I'm waiting and dealing with health stuff is somehow connected to that. Even though I'm an adult now and I understand that was then and this is now and I'm, that's different, there's still an emotional kind of visceral connection to that time. And I think that's where my fear comes from. And so I'm, a, I'm aware of that wow. as I try to talk myself down with my fears, you know, that I'm dying and all, all, all of that. <laughs> I know you've probably texted me four times now. I'll see you Tuesday unless I'm dying. I know. I'm <laughs> such a dork. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. You so, know, I'm reminded of when I was about uh, nine or ten years old, my parents um, were foster parents for a minute. You know, mm -hmm. it was like a two-year kind yeah. of stretch of time that they fostered. And they fostered a young woman who was about 15 years old and had some developmental problems. Now, they had been, they had been um, qualified to, to foster babies and, okay. and toddlers. Um, but this was an emergency situation with a young woman, and so they actually brought her into the home, and she was probably only there for about a month. Okay. But it was just enough. She kind of made an impact on all of her lives because she was just this an incredibly sweet, mm -hmm. adorable young woman. My mother actually kept in touch with her for a while and, and was able to contact her a few years later. And and so there was that period of time and I can still remember her name and I remember what her color of hair was and all that kind of stuff. But we also had a little baby. Um, he was 15 months old at the time when he came and he was with us for about a year. Oh, wow. Which was incredibly traumatic when he left. He just kept screaming for my mom. Oh. And he was adopted. Mm -hmm. And so he was going to a forever home. Mm -hmm. But he was with us for quite that's a while. A, that's enough time for that little one to bond. To, to bond. But I remember when he came, and like I said, he was 15 months old, so he walked and mm -hmm. stuff. But he, if you gave him a snack, like a cracker or something, like you were eating, like watching TV or whatever, and you were having snacks, he'd come over and get the snack and then go behind a chair and leave that snack there and then come back for more. And I remember at nine or 10 years old, I remember the, the, the therapist that was working with our family and working with this little guy said that he was deprived of food quite a lot in his home. Wow. And that that was actually one of the reasons why he was taken because he had failure to thrive. He was much smaller than he should have been at 15 months they old because they weren't feeding him properly. And so here he was at 15 months old, understanding that if he didn't hide this food, he wouldn't have any, he wouldn't have it. Wow. And it's just that, that picture, that image of that little you know, toddler just mm -hmm. walking over and hiding food and coming back for more. Mm -hmm. And then us saying to him, I remember my dad saying, you can have it. We're not going to, you know, uh -huh. we're not going to take it but, from you. But he, he's already, it's already imprinted in his DNA, so to speak. Right. That, no, it's right. not going to be there. It's not going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so I remember my dad kind of taking him by the hand and walking with him behind the chair and just sitting with him and eating these crackers and kind of letting him feel safe mm -hmm. for maybe the first time in his life. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, you know, there's obviously a lot of that kind of trauma that happens to a yeah. lot of us before our memories right. really take hold. But they do form yeah. our, our brain. They do. And I think, too, it's important to say that, you know, like that in my little story there, that is considered a trauma, but it wasn't like my parents were doing something. Abandon you yeah, or anything, right? Yeah, but it was still a trauma. It's like, you know, if a kid is in a fire or, or there's a, a car wreck or, you know, I mean, their traumas can happen and they're not 
intentional by another human causing the trauma. Right. Right. And it, but it has this similar kind of effect on the brain and on your nervous system and all of that, you right. know, and stays in your brain in the same places and all of that. Well, and speaking, okay, so that, that makes me remember um, in, on August the 4th of 1968, our little house where we lived caught fire. Mm-hmm. And I've told the story before of my dad running back into the fire and, and saving my bride doll. And in my mind, he came out in his white shirt and black pants mm-hmm. and came out with my bride doll in his hands. And it was like he came through the smoke and delivered my bride doll to me as I was crying for my dad oh, to save my, do- my, my doll. <laughs> save my doll. But my brother was just two years old that summer. And so there were three girls, and then my brother was the baby. And so I was—I would have been only six, six and a half, and mm-hmm. then he was only two. And so, you know, he was inside the house with my mom while us three girls were outside, and we all saw the fire explode. We saw my dad surrounded by flames. We saw a young man who was helping my dad do some work, escape the flames, and wow. land at our feet. What happened? He Well, what happened was um, m- my dad was cleaning out the gas tank okay. of our boat. Oh. And so it had, water had gotten into the gas tank of the boat. Okay. Okay, so it was a mixture of gas and water. Okay. All right. So uh, this young man, there were two young men who were neighbors who were going to go fishing with my dad later in the day. They were only 17 or 18 years old. They were helping kind of clean out the boat so that they could then go fishing. Yeah. And um, so they, one of the young men, his name was Dennis, um, he was emptying out the gas, uh, the, the gas tank into the wash basin mm-hmm. in the in the garage, which there, most new houses don't even have wash basins in the garage because of this kind of situation. But that wash basin was right next to the hot water heater. And the hot water heaters then, as opposed to now, were directly on the floor. Right. Okay. Now they're built up. Right. And and there's a whole, and, and fires like ours are parts of the reasons that all of those building code changes were made. Right. But so he spilled some of that water on the floor onto the floor. And it went into the and the <laughs> and the little pilot light at the bottom of the of the water just it just went up in flames immediately. So the other young man was far enough away so that he just, you know, ran out. My dad was actually far enough away, even though it kind of surrounded him. He was able to go out a door and it was all fine. But that young man, Dennis, he was also not terribly badly hurt, but what did happen is that some of that gas landed on his foot. Okay. And so he had a very severe burn on his foot because it wasn't just contact, it was direct fire mm-hmm. onto his foot, right? And so just instinct, I mean, is aren't instincts beautiful uh, yes, and amazing? Yes, they are. I mean, uh-huh. it's just amazing because mm-hmm. that fire went up in a second in front of all of us and in that almost simultaneous second these three men were able to just escape the fire right and uh, but dennis landed on the floor in front of us and his foot was was severely burned and the next door neighbor was a nurse she came over and she tended to him and Obviously, the fishing never happened. No. Um, Did your house burn all the way down? You know what? It burned. So the garage was just completely destroyed. Half of the roof was actually destroyed. Um, of course, like like in many of these fire situations, there was more water damage than there was fire mm-hmm, damage. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm I'm fairly certain that I've told this story before, but it it, it it's good to tell it again. One month. Before this happened, my sister had had a birthday party, and she had she was just three years old, two years, whatever, two, three. I guess she would have been three, and so there was wrapping paper from her from her birthday party. My mom decided to burn that wrapping paper in our fireplace. Now this is July, June, right. July, right? Right. But she decided just to get rid of it, she'd burn it. So she put it in the fireplace, and the flue in the fireplace was closed because it was summer. So the house filled up with smoke, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Now, no fire, but smoke. Mm -hmm. And my mom 
panicked and got anxious and called the fire department to try to figure out why the house was filling up with smoke. And so she gave him the address and the fire department, our address was 524 San Gabriel. And the fire department went to 524 West San Gabriel. Oh. And so it took them about 20 minutes to get to our house. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So when this fire then happened a month later, my mother knew to tell them that it was that it was 524 San Gabriel and what the cross streets were. Wow. And not to go to West to San West Gabriel. To West San Gabriel. And they were there within three minutes. Wow, Liz. And that seems kind of serendipitous would, and miraculous. I would say. You know? I would say. Yeah. And so our house was mostly saved. Like I said, the garage was destroyed and, and at least half the roof was destroyed. Was all the contents, was there a car in the garage, the um, boat, was it there all? Was, there was a boat. The boat was in the garage, of course, and whatever else was in the garage and all of that. Even the boat survived, although it had to be repainted and re, you know. The, okay. Um, Did you guys have... I might be lying about that. It might have been destroyed now that I think about it. Okay. I might be me mixing up memories about the boat and when, yeah. when we had yeah, yeah, it yeah. which boat it was and stuff. So I, I feel like the boat was probably destroyed. Did you guys have to move out? So we had to move out. Absolutely. And so what happened? What? And this is also so, you know, when I when I look at people who have other people in their lives who who come who who come to them in times of crisis, mm -hmm. who meet their needs in times of crisis, I am a little bit envious mm -hmm. because our life crises have been so difficult that people kind of didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. And they don't know how to help. Mm -hmm. But in this very real situation, there was one family that was going on vacation the very next day. No, the very next week. So that first week, we actually split up and stayed in two different homes. I think my mom and my brother might have gone one place and my dad and us girls went another place or vice versa. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. So we kind of split up and spent three or four nights in two different homes. Mm -hmm. But then this family was going on a two or three week vacation. So you guys... And so we were able to move into their home. Wow. And live there as a family. Wow. And, you know, my sister-in-law's home had a very small fire a few years ago, and she was out of her home for nine months because of all the building codes and the insurance and yada, yada, yada. We were out of our home for about three and a half weeks, and then we were able to move back in. So back before the days of government yeah, 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 yeah. codes yeah, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> inspectors and all that kind of stuff, right. we were able to get back into our home fairly quickly. But the interesting thing was, I mean, all of that's interesting, but after we left, this was a Sunday morning, right? We had had pancakes that morning. And after we all left that house and we were someplace else, a friend of my parents came over to the house, went into the kitchen, cleaned the kitchen, wow. put away all the dishes, made sure that we didn't have syrup and pancake stuff left, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. to just deal with. He was just lovely, and within about five or six hours of him leaving, the the ceiling of the kitchen completely collapsed because of the water damage that was done to the ceiling. Yeah. And he was not in there. You can't see me on here, but my <laughs> mouth is way <laughs> Her chin is down to the table. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, miraculous. Holy shit. I know, right? <laughs> Incredibly, incredibly, um, in incredibly wonderful that he was spared and that he was there. I mean, the whole thing, right? God. And so when we moved as a family into this other home for three weeks, down at the end of the street, we would go for walks up and down. And my mom, do you remember back in the day when your mom would like give you a dollar and you'd walk down to the corner store and buy candy? Uh -huh. <laughs> or you could even buy cigarettes for her. <laughs> They didn't care. Know, they didn't care. <laughs> you could buy a pack of cigarettes and bring it home to mom. Uh, or a beer. Or a beer. <laughs> and uh, so my mom gave us money to go down and buy some ice cream. And so we pulled my brother, who, as I said, was like two, in a wagon. And us three little girls, my brother, we all walked down to the end of the block mm -hmm. to get. And there was an empty lot at the end of the block that caught fire while we were all yeah on this walk and my little brother two years old 
began to scream bloody murder. I bet. He wanted nothing to do with that fire. And, you know, as three girls, I mean, my sister, we were, we were six, we were three, four, and six, and then he was two. And we seemed to be okay, not as traumatized by that fire, but this little two-year-old was completely traumatized. Because mm-hmm. there's, you don't have the language to express. Yeah. That's that's really And a few years later, he actually lit, when he was only five or six, he lit a, a, a field that we lived nearby on fire himself. And he seemed to, and of course the fire department came and had a chat with him about, you know, what kind of damage fire can do. Um, he seemed to to really need to control uh, the, the fire situation mm-hmm. for several years afterwards. And he, he, he never lit anything else on fire. He was, you know, he's grown That's up good. to be a perfectly lovely, <laughs> wonderful father, grandfather, everything. But he was terribly traumatized yeah, yeah. At, at two years old yeah. by that. And I think that it's important for us all to know when we see other people and we see that they how they react to things right. and we think, what is wrong with you? Yeah, see, and that's, I, yeah, we, we need to not judge because we have no idea what somebody could have been could have been dealt the hand they were dealt as a child or what they're dealing with. We just absolutely have no way of knowing. And yeah. it, we, we are all so quick to judge other, other humans, their bad behavior. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to do. An abandonment, you know, I, my oldest son was left by his father when he was only seven months old. My ex-husband walked out of the house and we didn't, my son didn't see him again for 25 years. And even though it was only a year, year and a half later that I married my husband and he adopted him and and he's had, you know, he's had a, a very present loving father his whole life. And yet there was very clear indications that 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 abandonment, that knowledge mm-hmm. of knowing that somebody left him mm-hmm. was very present in his life for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. And I think that for the for the last year and a half, we've all you alluded to this a little bit ago, we've all been living like holding our breaths kind of. Yeah. And adrenaline has been coursing through our mm-hmm. bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go in and wear a mask to do this. You have to wear a mask to do that. So you have to wash your hands 40 times yeah. a day. Oh, oh my God, did you I know? accidentally touch something? Oh my God, I, I touched my eye yeah. and I didn't sanitize. I know. Somebody that I know got sick. Mm-hmm. When was the last time I around them? You mm-hmm. know, and you know, of course my daughter got married and there was concerns about all of that. So we've been, we've been living with this like almost holding our breath mm-hmm. and I think adrenaline has just kept us functioning yeah, yeah. well now we're calming down we are things right. are opening up and I really feel like th- those stress hormones the adrenaline is kind of mm-hmm. leaving our bodies mm-hmm. and now we're feeling yeah for the first time in a year and a half yeah Lot and of, mm-hmm. it's very possible that you've had some physical stressors in your neck and back and all that that you just haven't been aware of right you know until uh, until now but i think that all of us are just really suffering in ways that we you know just didn't expect because our bodies are letting down yeah i think you're right and there's depression and i mean you and i like we said we're on the we're We're on our our depression we're on our period our (laughs) Depression period together. Yeah. And, and I think it's just this letdown of, well, now what? Yeah, now what? Well, and I think there's also, too, the anxiety of, is it going to come back? Well, and these new variants. And is the this new go- variants. Yeah. And, you know, they're still say, they're saying that, you know, even if you're vaccinated, you need to wear your mask. And that's fine with me. Right, me too. I'm totally too. fine with that. I don't even care. Right. I, I'll, I'll wear my mask to keep yeah. myself and you safe, period. Right. You know? Um, because not having bronchitis last summer was worth it to me. <laughs> like, right? I mean, last winter. I know. Like, okay. I know. These masks are really I'm effective. Telling you, yeah. I'm, 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 I am yay for masks during <laughs> flu season. <laughs> I just absolutely. You know, absolutely. I, I don't. I can't imagine me not wearing a mask now because, absolutely. especially during cold and flu season, I just. We really need to be showing each other a lot of grace. Let me ask you a question. 
Hmm. This is a very personal question and a very deep question. Uh oh. As we are kind of going through this, as we've gone through the past year and a half, and now you're dealing with several loss and I'm dealing with several disappointments, mm -hmm. um, do you still believe in God? <laughs> <sighs> I know we started the pandemic believing in God. Yeah, I know. You know, I do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do still believe in God, but I will be honest to say that I have some confusion about what exactly that looks like right now. Um, about a week ago, I found myself on the floor crying and telling my husband that, who, who doesn't necessarily believe in God, and I think he would be all right for me to say that, um, telling him I feel like my best friend has abandoned me. Mm -hmm. Meaning God. Meaning God. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't even know if I've ever even really said that before or really even felt that before. And I think while I'm just so sad, so there's that, but I think there's just something about this time and everything and, and the kind of the collective, because I really do believe that you and I are one that we're all connected. And so I think there's such a big collective grief that I think maybe I'm feeling disconnected from my source, I'll say more, because so many people I think are feeling a little bit disconnected. At the same time, during this pandemic time, I feel like I delved into deeper places in my spirituality and my spiritual walk and that there is a even a closer, deeper relationship that I've had, but not in the last month. <laughs> right. In the last month, I feel like, I don't know, I, do, I don't feel like I'm on solid ground somehow. Well, and it feels, I mean, speaking for me, it feels a little bit like a betrayal. It's like, hey, you know what? I, I have relied on you. I have communicated with you. I have... Um, meaning to God, mm -hmm. and I have uh, shared my faith with others. And now when I need you and I need people, now you're not there. Yeah, yeah. And those people aren't there. What's up with that? Yeah, it's, it's you know, biblically speaking, there are times where, you know, there are wilderness times. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell myself, okay, Deb, you're in the wilderness right now. There, it's a, It feels like that somehow, you know, um, and wilderness times are, are times where we, we, we can grow for open. Right. And, and so, um, I'm, I'm really, really trying to have an openness to, okay, where, what can I learn here? How, how can I, how can I trust and let my dog go? Honestly, I mean, I know that sounds silly, but it's like I need to let her go. And I don't exactly know how to do that because I'm so... It's not just her. It's the, it's the presence and the relationship mm -hmm. and the unconditional love that she gave you. Yeah. And so it, the loss is not just an animal. It's a, it's a connection. Yeah. It's a, yeah. And so yeah. I have to know that she's not far away from me. I, I don't believe that she's gone mm -hmm. away from me. I still, you know, I mean, if I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna believe and and, and walk the walk, so to speak, I believe I'm connected to you, to my dog, to people who have passed, and so I I'm trying to stay in that place. And I've been doing a, all week, all week. I've been I've meditated every day, all week. And I usually meditate a couple times a week, but not every day because I'm too busy or whatever, which is bad because meditation is so good. But I've just consciously made myself sit down and just shut up, mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you right. know. Right. And um, in those times, you know, when I'm when I'm quiet, I can just kind of kind of sink into feeling grateful. That's what I've been trying to do is just sink into feeling grateful, even for the pain in my body and and um, just being thankful that I'm alive.
being thankful for my friends, for you, for this time, trying to stay in the present moment, trying to stay out of the past, trying to be present and great and grateful is like the best that I can do for myself to stay connected to the God that I really, really do believe in mm-hmm. with everything I am. I, I believe in mm-hmm. a source, God, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. I believe something that connects us to one another uh, and connects and I, us to the universe. And I believe that every single human has the ability to access it. And I believe that doesn't matter what religion you are, you ha- you can access the the source, God, the universe, the energy, whatever. And I, I do. I really do believe those things. And I do believe there's heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but I believe that everybody goes there. It may not everybody. Huh? I do. Everybody. I believe that. And, and it might goes not there. look like uh, mm-hmm. look like the, the the pictures that we were taught in Sunday school I don't think with so. the little flannel graphs and <laughs> <don't think> so. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just do. I believe everybody goes there. I believe that everyone's a child of God. I believe that people are there are bad people, and I don't know what that means. It's not my job, but do I believe that that person's going to burn in a fiery hell? I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And so, I don't know. And so that definitely gives you hope. Mm-hmm. Hope for, yeah, for better days. Mm-hmm. Um, lately on Facebook, and I, I, you know, I see it, it pops up every couple of years, and I think you might have even, you know, posted it again. It's just, it's a copy and pasted thing that's, that people are putting and saying, you know, I know that we're all kind of going through a tough time. Mm-hmm. If you need to reach out to somebody, just know that my door's always open. And yeah. I'm, and it's kind of an anti, it's, a, it's an anti-suicide kind of message that people are posting on Facebook. And this is what I want to encourage people. Um, have a plan. Yeah. You know, putting those words out there are great. Mm-hmm. But now what if somebody calls you and they tell you, I am really having a hard time and I'm not sure that I can make it through the night. Now, what is your plan? Yeah. You know, and I think it's, 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 it's perfectly valuable, valuable mm-hmm. to go ahead and put stuff like that out on social media mm-hmm. and make sure that people know that truly in your heart, mm-hmm. you want them to know that you are there. Yeah. But I think it's also important for us to all have a plan because platitudes right. don't work. You know, if you say, oh, get over it, or you know that you're loved, or you know how great you are, come on. Right. That, that doesn't really, you know, fly. No. So I would encourage everyone out there to come up with a plan. Make sure that you are willing to turn around and get in your car and drive there. Mm-hmm. I... I have always looked to the book of Job in the Bible as an example of how to be a good friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Job's friends in the story, if you're not familiar with the story of Job in the Bible, he's a he's a man in the Bible. And again, I'm I I feel like we've talked about this here, but he experienced a ton of loss over the course of like two days. Right. So while he's mourning the loss of a, of a big wind that came along and like, you know, took out his crops, then that same big wind takes out his home and kills his children. Right. And so he loses his animals and his crops and, and he, his children and, and his he home. And he gets sick. And he gets sick. And he's got sores all over his body. Right. And he's just sitting there and he's just looking around at all of this loss. Mm-hmm. The only thing he has to still cling to is his wife who says at the time, why don't you just curse God and die? Because the belief was, if you cursed God, you would die. Die. Mm-hmm. You, would, you would be struck dead. And I, I grew up hearing that Job's wife was just a completely unloving, you know, unwifely <laughs> wife, you know. <laughs> unwifely wife. Unwifely wife. <laughs> but after I have lived nearly 60 years and have gone through a, a lot of really difficult things, I I think that she was in her own grief mm-hmm. and she also lost her home and her children and her, children. And her crops. Yep. And her she, husband is and her husband is sick. You yeah, you covered with scabs. She can't get close to him. <laughs> and I really do think that she was desperate for the pain to, to stop. stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this is what his friends did. His friends came 
three of them, I think, and sat with him for seven days and did not speak. And in the book of Job, it says, because they could tell that his grief was, you know, so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so they just sat there. They knew that words weren't going to do it. Weren't going to do it. And so they just sat with him. And I think about all the people who have tried so hard to say the right words when really all mm-hmm. all I needed was for them to sit with us. Right. You know, during times when, right. you know, when our child is missing right. and it's been two and a half weeks and we don't know where our child is. Right. I don't need you to tell me that everything's going to turn out okay. Right. I need you to sit with me or I need you to get in the car with me while I drive around and look for this child. That's what I need. Right. Or I need for you to take your staple gun and put up missing posters. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I need. Yeah. And the words sometimes don't matter. So so I would encourage everybody to have a plan mm-hmm. and know that if somebody calls you and reaches out to you, um, you know, go, 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 just go. And if all that they want you to do is sit there, then that's okay too. Yeah. When you give somebody else, uh, somebody who's going through a hard time, a- another thing to do, like call me if you mm-hmm. find yourself sad. A lot of people can't do that other thing. That's just one more th- to do, you know, thing on their to-do list. Right, right. I, it's making me think of a, uh, I'll just make this quick um there was a situation a couple years ago with a, a friend of ours. You know the person, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And um, this person was in a crisis. And this person um, left me some text messages. I, I had I had been on the phone with the person, and I knew the person was in a crisis. Mm-hmm. And, was doing, and, and I was. I was on the phone with this person a lot mm-hmm. in, in communication. Trying and, to talk them through. Mm-hmm. And... Like, like, twenty four hours later, or something like that, a text message came that that concerned me, and I don't, you know, and and so I acted on it, knowing that it was maybe it was just nothing, mm-hmm. but I ended up going because I thought the person was gonna in their life, mm-hmm. and I ended up going, and um, calling nine one one. I called nine one one. Because I didn't know, right. but at the and at the end of the day, the person didn't. The person's still with us. And the person's doing great, but it was it. My gut told me that I needed to do that, mm-hmm. even if I was wrong. It's better to be wrong mm-hmm. than not do it and be right. Do you know what I mean? Well, and I I also know that the fact that you were so proactive, and that you made that public you know, affirmation to say, hey, I am here for you. And guess what? I'm going to do the hard thing to make sure you don't do the hard thing. Right. And that's, um, it may have, in fact, saved that person's life. Well, so, and, and I, and I, that person's still around. Yeah. And I, we still see that person. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, I, I think that there was some good that that did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's also been times, though, when I haven't acted and I, I wish I would have because not not that a person died, but you know that I just should have I should have followed my gut. Right. So I guess the point is, if there's a person that you feel like is in crisis, and you know you have a gut sense about it, it's better to act mm-hmm. and be wrong mm-hmm. than to not. You know. So, so real quick before we wrap up, again, this is episode forty-four. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be hopeful. We've been, yeah, and <laughs> and we we are back at being open almost to full capacity here at the at the music school. Yeah. So what is what is a reason for hope? Give me a reason for hope. Well, two weeks ago we had a our um, spring showcase. Yeah. And we did it outside at a local place called Gazebo Garden, which I'll give a shout out to because it's just lovely over there. We had about 70 uh, students perform. It was outside. We were all... I was out of town or I would have been there. We were all all together. Um, I would get up to make my announcement of, you know, I, I could barely get through the sentence of, 
Welcome to the first live in-person Fresno Music Academy sh showcase. And, and you're sobbing. No, oh, and then everyone. And then they were uh, applauding. Applauding. Yeah. And everyone was just, whoa, you know. Yeah. So um, that, I think all the staff that was there, all the students and the parents, that was a very, very hopeful afternoon of just we can sing, we can make music together, we can be together. And yeah. so that was exciting. Um, and seeing that people want to get out. They do. And they want to hear the music and they want to they be do. in community and they yeah. want to get back together. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. So, so yeah, what about you? What's a hopeful thing? Well, I mean, in our personal life, we're still dealing with a, a terrible crisis that we have, we don't have the information yet to know that there's, in, in fact, hope for it all to, to end positively. But I, I have hope for that personally. But on a, on, a, on a kind of a global basis, you know, I am just so hopeful that the, the, the more and more information comes out about the vaccine and about the efficacy of the mm -hmm, vaccines, mm -hmm. about the long-term efficacies of the vaccine. And I'm sorry that all of this has had to last a year and a half so far, right. and it may last a little bit longer. Right. But my reasons for hope are seeing a, a calm, a, kind of a calmness that has come over mm -hmm. like our country, mm -hmm. over our present administration. Yes. You know, we don't have to agree with the new president at all. But there but, is a there is a calm. There is a calm. Mm -hmm. And for and sure. and that calm is as a reason for hope as the the science comes out that shows that the efficacy of these vaccines are very long lasting, especially mm -hmm. for a couple of them. That's a reason for hope. I see a lot of people who I did not think would ever be super selfless or kind. <laughs> Being kind? Being kind mm. and selfless. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've seen I, that too. I think that we've kind of... We've kind of realized that being completely narcissistic and control freaks about everything probably isn't going to work for very long. <laughs> necessarily going to work in a pandemic. Yeah. So let's yeah. take advantage. And so I do see reasons for hope. I see I see more kindness yeah, than I, I have seen in a long time. Yeah. Just generally, yeah. I, I see people holding doors for other people. Me too. I see people smiling. Today, a young man held the the mailbox thing for me. <laughs> He, you know, and As you were just I, and, mailing and a letter. Let, let me put my. And I'm like, thank you. I know. Yes, and I think I think people are grateful to be in close proximity to other people. Mm -hmm. I work with kids with special needs, and one young man who has autism. He every day he says one hug, one hug. And that's all he wants is just a hug, you know. Aww. And I think it's just been a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I say to him, just one, just one. That's all you get is just one. But, you know, just one hug. And it's just Aww. the sweetest face you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And so those kinds of things give me hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yay for hope. Yay for hope. I'm going to be a hope cheerleader. Yay for hope. And so let's get our hope si uh, cycle in sync now. Yes. <laughs> our hope period. <laughs> Oh, and so we're not going to, we're, we're going to put this podcast up. It'll probably go up the day after, probably go up the day after 4th of July. Yeah. And then we will skip the next week, I think, because I'll be out of town That's and right. all that. That's right. So we'll get together again. So it'll be two weeks between yeah. uh, these yeah, podcasts. Yeah. But I felt like it was important for us to get together. Me and too. I'm so glad I that feel we better. Did. I'm glad. <sighs> I do. I feel better. I'm glad. So. Thank yeah. you again to yeah. Fresno Music um, Academy and Arts. This yep. is just um, come a sign up, place come to take be. some music lessons. Yeah, yeah, because um, there's reasons for hope. There are so. All right, see everyone later. <laughs>